Can you lift your hands and just glorify your God that's unshaken and unmoved? Hallelujah. Come on, praise a God that is consistent, that is constant, that is faithful. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Thank you, Jesus. Aren't you thankful there is a God that's constant in your life? So few things can be relied on. So few things can you actually depend on. And that's why we say build your life around God. He's not phased by the storm. He's not moved by adversity. He's not discouraged by the battle. But build your life around a God that rides on the storm. <laughs> he thrives in adversity. He works the night shift. What a great God we serve. What a great God we serve. I wonder if we could just lift our hands one more time and just give him some praise. Just tell him you love him today. God, we thank you. We honor you. We glorify your matchless name in this place, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. This weekend has already been so incredible. Man, it's just, I don't know if it was our leadership meeting. We, our leaders met here Friday night. And one of the things that we did is we we went through what we called a servant's prayer. Our ladies were on one side and our men were on the other. And our leaders knelt before another leader in front of them and prayed over their feet. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And how beautiful and hard, how timely is those that deliver communicate the Word of God all of our leaders perform that function one facet or another and they knelt before one another and submitted as a servant to the fellow leader and prayed over them and there was such a move of God such a, a breaking in that moment it was so powerful and then of course we laid our prayer mantle my grandfather's prayer mantle we laid it on each of our leaders and prayed over them and Man, I just feel the overflow of that. I just, I just sense something broke in the spirit. And I feel the, the effect of that even, amen, this weekend. And I'm so thankful for it. Psalms chapter 138. Psalms chapter 138. In verse 2, I will worship toward thy holy temple praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name it's magnified thy word in a day and an hour when they are trying to demagnify and de escalate the importance and power of the Word of God it's important that we magnify the Word of God above all one translation says equal is thy name and thy word to be magnified I mentioned to you this morning I just felt 
this entire weekend I wanted to re-emphasize the power of God's Word. The reason that's going to be so important because the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, there's not going to be much else you can depend on. Everything will be shaken. Everything you know, everything you've ever seen, everything you've ever experienced, the very foundation of your relationship with God will be shaken. And the only thing that you will have to lean on will be the Word of God. It needs to be near to you. You don't need to have to go looking for it, searching for it. It needs to be right by your side. For just a little while tonight, I'd like to minister to you word above all. Word above all. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We glorify you. Thank you for your presence. I pray today, God, that you would renew our passion for your word tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Renew our passion, God, for your word tonight, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for your word, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. May we cling to your word. May we cleave to your word. Hallelujah. Thank you for it, Jesus. Thank you for it, Jesus. Several years ago, a politician made the terrible error of categorizing one group of people as clinging to their guns and their Bibles. I have never been more complimented in all my life. <laughs> I cling to my Bible, and I cling to my gun as well. <laughs> I want to cling to the Word of God, don't you? I want to cling to His Word. Can you give the Lord one more hand clap of praise before you're seated? Knowing the name of Jesus and invoking the name of Jesus, as powerful as that is, and as wonderful as that is, the Word of God lets us know that it does not supersede the authority of the Word of God. I want to reemphasize to you tonight the supreme authority of the Word of God. It is not a facet of your relationship with God. It is everything in your relationship with God. We are reminded of this when in an instance in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 22, notice what the Word of God says in this particular portion of Scripture to those that were trying to de-escalate and, and de-escalate what was important and bring to light and lift up what they felt was important. Notice what Jesus said. In that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Prophesied in that name. Isn't that awesome? In thy name have cast out devils. Woo! Cast out devils. I'm all for that. And in thy name done many wonderful works. We done many wonderful works. The problem is, keep reading. <laughs> Sorry about that. And then will I profess unto them. Uh-huh. I never knew you. I never knew you. Somehow, through the prophesying, through the casting out devils, through the mighty great works, there was never a relationship with God. There was never a relationship with His Word. Thank God if you're prophesying. Thank God if you're casting out devils. Thank God if you're praying and people to get healed. But you can do all of that and not even have a relationship with God. A relationship with God comes through knowing His Word, through obeying His Word, through following 
following his word. His word is above all. Someone say above all. As powerful and as needful as emotion is when it comes to worship, it's incredibly important to understand that there is never an emotional experience, a vision, a dream, a sign, an angelic visitation that supersedes God's Word. Your feelings are secondary to God's facts. And we, as apostolics, need to be reminded of that because we believe in emotion. We know the power of worship, and we know being moved by God's Spirit, and we act on that, and that is wonderful. But we need to be reminded today that our feelings are secondary to God's facts. Your goosebumps should still submit to God's Word. Don't ever be fooled if you listen to pastor. Don't ever be fooled by some false prophet charlatan who claims to have seen visions and dreams and be led away by a ministry of sensationalism. Because after all the smoke and mirrors, after all the emotions and dreams, the only question that needs to be asked is his or her doctrine in error to the Word of God. Because the Word is above all. The Word is above all. You say, Pastor, why are you saying that? I'll tell you why. Because there are people that are not here tonight who were led away by some silver-tongued internet sensation claiming to have climbed to the seventh heaven, espousing revelations that God gave them, that they were clearly in error of God's already established Word with so much information and with internet preachers at your fingertips. You better be careful who you're listening to. You better be cautious about who you're following. You better be careful about who's speaking into your life. I don't care what kind of visions or dreams or healings that are taking place or devils they are casting out at the end of the day does what they're saying and does their life align with the Word of God. There's people not in church tonight because they got on the internet and watched somebody on TV and got led away by some sensationalism. Pastor, you ain't going to believe the dream they had. You ain't going to believe the vision that they had. I look them up online, and I don't find a single thing that they're espousing, doing, leading, or preaching that lines up doctrinally with the Word of God. They ain't worth my time. I'm not wasting my time. God's about to come back. I got a world going to hell. I'm not wasting my time on false prophets who are claiming things that do not line up with the Word of God. You ask yourself, do they believe, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord? Come on, somebody. Don't waste your time listening to preachers on the Internet that believe there's three gods. Because after they tell me they believe that, I got nothing else to hear. I'm not wasting my time. I got great men and women of God that can speak into my life that have aligned themselves doctrinally with truth because the Word is above all. All 
Do they believe for there is one God and one mediator between God and man and the man Christ Jesus? If the answer to that is no, I'm done. Can we be reminded the Word of God says, Beware lest any man spoil you, spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in Him dwelleth all, someone say all, of the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Case closed. I got nothing else to say. I don't need to waste my time waste my energy or my family's time and energy by listening to somebody that don't believe that. Do they believe that in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God? The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him and without Him was not anything made that was made. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. Do they preach, believe, and live that? Because the Word is above all. Do they believe the only way to get to heaven is repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost? If they do not believe that is the plan of salvation, I got other things to do. I got other things to listen to. I am not opening up my spirit. I'm not opening up my mind. I'm not opening up my life to someone who does not know the basic plan of salvation. You wouldn't believe some of the nonsense that I hear. Oh, pastor, I got on the internet and I saw this guy. He cast out a devil. I saw this guy prophesy and he said this was going to happen and it happened. And they began following that nonsense, start subscribing to their channel, listening to their every message. And when I look into it, the basic Bible doctrines that we all should know and believe and they have known since they were sitting in Sunday school does not align. And I think, my God, why in the world would you open yourself up to that? Why in the world would you allow deceit and deception and false doctrine to permeate your mind? The word is above all. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. I can spend two and a half minutes watching, not even that, two and a half seconds, and know whether I'm going to keep on watching. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. This is what matters. This is what reigns supreme. <laughs> this is all that should take precedence in our life. Because when we get to judgment day, you know what we will not be asked? How did you feel about that? Come on, somebody. I promise you that question will not be asked. 
but the book of life will be opened up. And what will be asked, did you obey what was preached to you? Did you obey what I revealed to you? Did you follow after the light that I turned on in your life? I know it hurt. I know you didn't want to do it. I know when he preached, he might have hurt your feelings sometimes. I know when you opened up the word of God, you read some things that you were doing and you had to stop doing it and it may have hurt your feelings. But I'm not here to ask you how it made you feel. I'm here to find out, did you place the word above all? There has to be a point in your life when you talk to your emotions rather than your emotions talking to you. At some point, you got to say, I rebuke this in the name of Jesus. Thus saith the word of God. What's 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4 say? For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Come on, somebody. But mighty Mm. through God Mm. to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. Imagination. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. Against the knowledge of God. What did we say God was? His word. Keep on. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Thinking should obey. I've got to stop letting my emotions dictate my relationship with God. I bring into captivity every thought, every emotion. When I'm sad, he's still God. When I'm mad, he's still God. When I'm bitter, when I'm angry, when I'm disappointed, when I'm betrayed, when I'm hurt, I tell my emotions, he's still God. Brothers and sisters, visions, dreams, and angelic visitations, they bow down to the breath of God. We talked about it this morning. This is the breath of God. Did you know DNA can be detected through breath? And we know, and there's a whole message right here. We know DNA will tell you anything and everything you want to know about somebody. It is... It is incredible how DNA has unlocked the ability to find people who thought they could not be found. They've got family DNA now. They can just find somebody related to you eventually. Somebody will come knocking on your door. Because your DNA will tell you everything you need to know about that individual. And DNA can be detected in breath. Everything I need to know about God. Come on, somebody. I can find in the breath of God. When I want to know more about God, (laughs) I don't need an angelic visitation, and I don't want you to get me wrong. I believe in angelic visitation. I believe in dreams and visions. I believe that God can speak to you in a myriad of ways. But let me tell you something. When I know, when I want to know about God, I want his breath. I want his word breathing on me because everything I need to know about God, his DNA, his origin, his character, what he desires, how to please him, how to spend eternity with him can be found in his word. This is his DNA right here. 
Everything I need to know about him, I can find in his word. I've had people through the years say, Pastor, God spoke to me. God spoke to me. But I want to tell you something. I don't deny that God speaks to people. And even people that tell me things that God spoke to them that I know are not right, I don't deny it. And I'm going to tell you why. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 9. Even him whose coming is after the work of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth. There is a prayer that I pray every single time I pray over my children. Macy, Sorella, Zane. God, don't give them a knowledge of the truth. Don't give them an awareness of the truth. I don't care if they're a professional, professional debater of the truth. God, give them a love for the truth. I want it to be a deep river that runs through them. They love the truth above all else. They love truth more than acceptance. They love truth more than prosperity. They love truth more than a job promotion. They love truth more than their husband or their wife. Come on, somebody. They love truth more than anybody on this planet. God, give my children a love for thee truth because if they do not have this notice what verse 11 says for this cause mm, for this cause God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie who would send them a strong delusion Mm, brother, let me tell you something. My dad used to say this all the time. You can lie to yourself and you may get right. Others can lie to you and you might can overcome it, but when God sends you a delusion, you're done. And the Bible says those that do not love the truth, God would send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And this is why when someone comes to me, Pastor Ogden, and they say, well, God told me. I don't deny that. God may have told them. But what I know is if what God told them does not line up with what God has already said, brother, I'm going to tell you right now what God did was send you a strong delusion. You need to love the truth and be able to detect and know error. There needs to be something inside of you that says, hey, that ain't right. I don't care who says it's right. I don't care what the world is espousing. I don't care what Hollywood is doing. I don't care what the Joneses down the road are doing. This is truth and the truth and the word is above all. Amen. I will not deny God's spoken to you, but can I tell you, if it contradicts God's word, brother, you are living under a strong delusion. Through the years, I wish I could, I can't even tell you how many people come to me and said, Pastor, God spoke to me and said, it's time to leave this church and go to that church. What church? Oh, you mean that church that baptizes in the titles? You mean that church that believes you can vocally say, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved? 
You mean that church that can't even spell holiness? Honey, I don't deny that God didn't tell you that. But I am afraid that you have been sent a strong delusion. And when you are convinced that it was God that spoke to you, I can't talk you out of it. There ain't nobody in this church that can talk you out of it. All I can do is pray for you as you walk out the door. And I can challenge those that are here. Be careful that you know the word. Engraft the word of God into your heart. Know the truth in and out. Love it with every fiber in your being so that you cannot be deceived. That no one can talk you out of it. I got to love the truth. Come on, grab your Bible right now and say, I gotta love the truth. It's gotta be a part of my life. I gotta love it more than I love anything else. You better love it enough to have somebody walk out in your life. You better love it enough to have those you love go a different direction and you stand fast and you hold truth to the Word of God. You gotta love it. Matthew 24 and 35 says, Heaven and earth, as it is now known, shall pass away. Be careful about loving this earth. It shall pass away, but what shall not pass away? My word. (laughs) Oh, it is my dream. It's my prayer. God, when you come back and get me, I want to be hanging on to this old leather Bible. I want to walk up into heaven's gates and dance on streets of gold. And I want them to see this old well-worn leather Bible in my hand. Because heaven and earth and everything that I now know may pass away. But his word is above all. You need preaching. You need the word of God. Why? Because it's well to know everything in God's creation was produced or created by the Word except one. Verse 3 says, let there be. Verse 6, let there be. Verse 14 of Genesis chapter 1, let there be. Continue throughout Genesis, let there be. All with one exception. The Bible says in verse 27, so God created man. God himself formed man from the dust of the earth and breathed into him the breath of life. All of the universe stays in sync and orbit without hesitation. I don't wake up tomorrow, Brother White, afraid the sun's going to fall out of the sky. I know some people do. I got more things to worry about. (laughs) Do I have any coffee left? (laughs) Is traffic going to be bad in the morning? I mean, serious things like that. The kids have clean clothes for school in the morning, like serious problems. I don't worry about the planets falling out of orbit and falling out of the galaxy. Why? Because it stays in sync. We are set by our clocks. Our our clocks are set by the stars. They never fail us. Why is that? Because the creative word of God is in them. (laughs) He spoke his word. Let there be. 
Consequently, faith fills the universe except for man. Man was not created by word. That's why we must not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. In order for us to stay in orbit, in order for us to be in sync, in order for us to be who we need to be and not get out of line and not fall out of heaven's galaxy or out of God's will, we must have the word put in us on a consistent basis. We must hear it again and again and again. And if we don't have the word of God spoken into us, we will get flung out into the far galaxies, get into all kinds of things, get into all kinds of deception and trouble because we need the word of God in our lives. I don't care how long you've been living for God. You need preaching. I don't care how long you've been serving God. You need the word of God. I don't care how long you've been coming to church. You need to preach word of God. You need to hear the word of God. And I'll tell you, you need to hear it more than just the weekends. I was blessed by a saint that's not here tonight. He's sick, not able to be here tonight, but he sent me a, a really kind text the last couple of days. And he said, Pastor, I was so blessed by this sermon you preached. And I, I don't even remember preaching, but I remember it was a long time ago. But he watched it and he was listening to it. I'm going to tell you something. In 2023, if the only preaching that you get and the only word that you get is when you stumble in here on the weekends, you're going to need more than that because you're spending a god-awful amount of hours and time consuming meaningless entertainment and all kinds of other mess and then you want a 30 minute sermon to rectify that and bring you into proper uh, uh, orbit with God and bring you into the purpose and the will of God it ain't going to happen you need to feed your mind the word of God throughout the week if it's just hearing the word of God being read if it's preaching and I mean preaching that's truth not garbage I'm talking about apostolic truth preaching men and women of God you need to hear it you need to take it in you need to change what you're listening to. You need to create an atmosphere and an environment where you can stay in sync with God. I can spend 10 minutes in the first 10 minutes of Sunday morning service and tell what most people have spent the week doing. Right? It's important that you allow the Word of God and sit and hear it. As long as the sheep are frolicking and running around in the fold, they cannot be fed. You have to stop them long enough for them to eat, and so it is at church. Thank God for sincere, deep, Christ-honoring, not flesh-exalting worship. But our generation must be taught a vital lesson. You need the Word of God. Years ago, I heard of an old riverboat captain on the Mississippi, who was retired, and they gave him a retirement banquet. And at this banquet, the master of ceremony said, Oh, Captain, I suppose you know where every shoal and every rock and every shallow place is on the Mississippi River. You have been plying its waters for over 40 years. When the captain rose to speak, he said, Sir, 
I do not know where all the shallows and all the rocks and all the sandbars are. He said, but I'll tell you what I do know. I know where the deep water's at. And if you know where the deep water's at, you don't have to worry about all those other things. Some people keep running up on the rocks through the week. Some of them keep getting, getting landed up on the beach and they get overturned and their vessel gets full of things that should be on the outside. And what's in the world, what's on the outside keeps getting on the inside. The reason is they're not traveling in the deep waters. They're not in the Word of God. They're not allowing the breath of God to breathe on them. When you get into God's Word and you travel in the deep waters, can I tell you, you avoid a lot of trouble. You avoid a lot of things and your life that you don't have to deal with the scripture says Satan has come down to the earth he's closer to the church than he's ever been and if he's closer to the church than he's ever been the only antidote for the church is to be closer to God than we've ever been it was the prophet Jeremiah who said to the men of Deden dwell deep (laughs) dwell deep S.D. Gordon told an event that transpired off the coast of Wales many years ago. It was in the days of steam navigation. An ocean vessel came from a long sea voyage up to the St. Charles Channel and headed for Liverpool. And when the pilot was brought on deck, he cried abruptly to the captain, What do you mean? What have you done? You've let her drift toward the coast, towards the shallow. Get the crew together. Muster the crew. The crew was quickly brought together, and the pilot told of the danger in a few short words. He said, boys, it's death or deep water. (laughs) It's death or deep water. And I tell you, in your relationship with God, it's either death or deep water. You better get a love for the truth. You better get into the Word of God and love everything about it. It's going to take more than a five-minute devotion card as you're running out of your house in the morning, headed off to work. There's going to be half the time, Brother Ethan, when you get along with God in a dark corner somewhere and you open up the Word of God with a pen light and you say, God, I want you to reveal your Word to me. Show me what I need to know in the Word of God. I want to know the deep things of God. If there was a call to the church, it would be death or deep water. I firmly believe in worship and shouting and dancing, but I know there's also a time that we got to be fed by the depth of the Word of God. When the Holy Ghost fell in the upper room, what were they doing? Sitting and listening. When the Holy Ghost fell in the 10th chapter of the book of Acts, Cornelius' household was listening. On and on I could go pointing to people who were led through the ear by the heart into the depth of God's Word. We read it this morning. Romans says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Did you know loving and reading the Word of God is like any other spiritual discipline that we labor for? It's something that requires effort on our part. One of the main misunderstandings, and you listen to pastor, this isn't popular and you're not going to hear this a lot, but this is the truth. 
One of the main misunderstandings people have about reading the Bible is they think it should be easy. And when people read the Bible and it's not easy, they think, well, I must be doing something wrong. I must not be that smart. I must not be that spiritual. What other spiritual discipline in your life is easy? There's a reason why it's called discipline. There's a reason why the word discipline literally has the word disciple in it. To be a disciple, you got to have discipline. When was praying at 6 o'clock in the morning when you didn't even get a good night's sleep easy? When is pushing the plate away when you're starving easy? When is fasting something that you can do and not even think about it? When is coming to church and being faithful to church, missing, hardly ever missing church, when is that easy? When you're sick, when you're tired, when you're hurting, when you got other things to do. There ain't another single spiritual discipline in your life that's easy. Why in the world do we think we can pick up the Word of God, open it up, and it's going to be like reading our favorite novel. We just can't put it down. It's the most wonderful thing. Honey, let me tell you something. It eventually will become the most wonderful thing. It's like any other spiritual discipline. As you pray, you want to pray more. As you come to church, you understand the power of coming to church. When you fast and you experience the power of neglecting your flesh, you see it. The Word of God is no different. You can't open up the Bible to the book of Lamentations, read two verses, and wonder why you're yawning and think you've done something wrong. you got to stick with it. you got to make up in your mind, this Word is my life. This Word is what I've got to love. And no matter how hard it is, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how tough it is, it's the breath of God. One of the main misunderstandings people have about reading the Bible is thinking it should be easy. And that is because we, as you know, live in an instant gratification culture. They're like, oh, God, I got a big old problem. Let me see what the Bible says. Eleazar begat Phineas, and Phineas begat Abushu. <laughs> oh, well, not today. That worked out perfect. I just picked a verse out of there. I'm like, man, that was anointing, brother. Woo. Am I wrong? People do that all the time. We've done that. We're in a crisis. We need an answer. We need direction. And thank God there were moments in my life where I have picked up the Bible and it just fell open. I'm like, oh, that's it right there. But there's been other times I was going through something. I'm like, hmm, hmm. That don't mean I close the Bible. Say, oh, that must not be what the pastor said it was. It's a spiritual discipline. And you make up in your mind, the word is above all. And I'm going to make it above all else in my life. And I'm going to keep reading it, studying it, digging into it. And the more I dig into it and the more I find, the more I want to find. We know that as a follower of Christ and take up our cross and deny ourselves is something we hear all the time. Oh, take up your cross, deny yourself. But we often think about it in terms of giving or money or our time or our energy and we don't think that it'll be too hard for us to open up scriptures and draw the necessary wisdom that we need from them. But can I tell you the same determination that it takes to be a faithful prayer warrior is the same determination that it's going to take for you to dig out the revelation God wants you to see in his word. 
It's all in what you want to do. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You can sit down and watch a four-hour movie, but you can't read the Word of God for ten minutes. I'm not blaming you. It's been around a long time. The same guys that couldn't pray one hour at Jesus' request could fish all night. It's all about what they wanted to do. They could fish all night thinking about all the money they could make when they took that fish to the fish market. But when Jesus said, can you pray one hour? They couldn't stay awake. It's all in what you want to do. When you fall in love with truth and you fall in love with the Word of God, even when it's hard, even when you're tired, even when you're sleepy, even when you'd rather watch a movie, you cut the movie off and you open up the Bible and you read His Word. When you make it a priority to study God's Word, no matter how hard it is, no matter how difficult, you are determined to extract revelation and direction from God's Word, you will be rewarded by manifold blessings. <laughs> mm, come on, somebody. Young preacher, don't tell me you ain't got nothing to preach. You might as well tell me I don't know where my Bible's at. That's what you're really saying. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I'm just telling you right now, don't tell me there ain't nothing to preach in this Bible. The fact of the matter is, let's just be honest, you've had other things going on. You've been fishing all night, but you haven't been in the Word of God. When you get in the Word of God and you make it a determination and you're going to be disciplined, I'm going to lay some things down, I'm going to push some things away, and I'm going to spend time in the Word of God, you'll be driving me crazy because God gave you a revelation. You'll be telling me every service, you ain't going to believe, preacher, you ain't going to believe, pastor, what God showed me in the Word. You ain't going to believe how exciting, how powerful, how wonderful I found something in the Word of God. It's a related misconception that we forget that loving God, we think of loving God as, a, as just an emotion. We feel the strong emotion towards God. But do you know the Bible says we love him also with all of our minds? <laughs> Come on, somebody. Using our minds well is difficult and it takes work. For example, meditating on something is first of all an act of intellect. Every time you open up the Bible, you are not going to feel an awesome move of the Holy Ghost. I'm just going to be honest with you. And so that may relieve some of you. You're like, man, thank God. Every time you open up your Bible, you're not going to feel the brush of angels' wings. It's an act of the mind first. Using our minds well is difficult, and it takes work. It's mulling over a verse, over a chapter, and giving it a chance to expand on you. Immerse yourself in that word. We need to revisit an expansive way of reading the Bible and refuse to be satisfied with a surface level of understanding and a bare minimum way of reading. If the Word of God is the bread of life. Why in the world are so many people satisfied with microwave bread? Is there anything better than homemade bread? 
Brother, let me tell you something. Opening up the Word of God and taking the time to meditate on that verse and pray over that chapter and let God speak to you through that verse. Turning your phone off. Quit looking at your clock. Quit thinking about what you got to do. Opening up the Bible and meditating on His Word is like homemade bread. It won't be long until suddenly the aroma of God's presence will fill that room like homemade bread. And the next thing you know... You'll be enjoying the good things of His Word. This perspective is part and parcel of the idea that Bible reading should not be too demanding. Loving the Bible is going to be demanding. Because you're busy, I'm busy, we all got things going on. It demands you to reprioritize what you think is important. Another problem, and I'm about to wrap it up. Another problem, maybe I'll preach this four more weeks. Another problem that needs to be addressed is that it's easy for people in the pews to rely on the experts to interpret the Bible for them. Some people can't cook at home. They want to come to church and get takeout. <laughs> they want me to cook at every meal, every meal for them. They don't know how to get the ingredients together at home. They don't know how to put it together themselves at the house. I want you at church. You need to be here. You've heard me saying no matter how long you live for God, you need to hear the preach word of God. But let me tell you something else you need to do. You need to be able to open up your own Bible at home. You need to be able to get into the word of God, and you need to pull something together. You need to let God inspire you. You need to be able to feed yourself. How do we know when a baby is maturing and when they're growing up, when I don't have to spoon feed them anymore? It was cute and it was great, but nobody likes to spoon feed a 13-year-old child that's supposedly healthy. And I should not be spoon feeding people that have been serving God 10, 15, and 20 years. You ought to be able to go home, get into the Word of God, open up your Bible, and feed yourself. Here's a novel idea. Why don't you cook something else up for somebody else? Why don't you share with your neighbor? Why don't you share with your friend? Why don't you make enough for somebody else? The reason why some people don't witness, don't win souls, and don't bring people to church because they ain't ever got any leftovers. They're barely making it. They're barely scrapping by on what the preacher fed them on Sunday. But when you go home and you get into the Word of God and you begin to feed yourself, you'll have blessings and revelation and help that you can share. I would say over the last 30 or 40 years in the church, we have seen we have seen develop an expert and an amateur divide. There used to not be such a great valley between the pulpit and the pew as it pertains to the Word of God. And that's not to say the pulpit has elevated itself. 
the reason why biblical literacy and love for the Word of God and knowledge about God's truth has declined and why the valley has grown wider between the pulpit and the pew is not necessarily because the pulpit has elevated itself, but it's because people in the pew have relied on the experts to feed them and they have let themselves fall into this category of I'm an amateur and I can't understand the Bible. I can't read the Bible and so I'll just go to church and I'll let somebody else tell me what the Bible says. Honey, you read history and you find out how we got in the mess that we got in. You'll find out how we have to combat false doctrine and Trinitarianism and all the other false doctrines that we battle with today. It started with people who did not have access to the Word of God and they came to church and they relied on some man to tell them what the Word of God says. I'm telling you every scripture I read, every sermon I preach, everything I say, the first thing you do is you get open your Bible, you go to your house, you open it up, you verify it, you confirm it, you put it in your spirit, you know it for yourself. The original sin came from questioning God's Word. Right? You know how you fall into sin? You know how you fall into compromise? You know how you fall out of apostolic truth? Start questioning the Word of God. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God hath made. And he said unto the woman, Hath God said a question? Hath God said all he had to do was to get her to question the word of God? And the reality of it is if she had been more confident about what God had actually said, then she would have known automatically, you a lying devil. You a lying snake. I'm done with this conversation. I got better things to do. I know what God said to me. I'm not wasting my time or my energy. But because she apparently was not sure what God said or had not revisited what God said or did not go to confirm herself again what God said, she was drawn into temptation and the mess ensued called sin and immorality. Can I tell you the only way to combat lies and deception and false doctrine and when the devil comes lying to you it's for you to go back and know the word of God for you to get back into the word of God and know for yourself what it says what did Jesus do in the wilderness when the devil started tempting him he started quoting the bible Musicians can come. He started quoting the Word of God. If Jesus relied on the Word of God, how in the world do you think I can make it without loving the Word of God? Last thing I'll tell you about the Word of God this week. Matthew 4 and 4. Man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeded. Someone say proceeded. Out of the mouth of God. Listen to pastors. Very important. 
The word of God is a proceeding word. Proceeding word. It moves forward. It moves from the last word. It's a moving word, and it moves from the last word. Unless you can steward the word you've already received, you are not likely to get another one. Unless you can be a steward of what's been preached to you, of what you've read, of what you know. Oh, God, show me what you want me to do. God's like, it's a proceeding word and you haven't done what I've already asked you to do. And until you can steward what I've already given you, I'm not giving you anything else. We see this play out as Abraham was a steward of the Word of God. When God's voice told him, take thy son, thy only son Isaac, and sacrifice him up on that mountain. Thank God, Abraham was a continual listener of God's voice. He was a steward of God's voice. He did what God wanted him to do. He acted on what he had been told. But he knew God's word was a proceeding word. And so he kept on listening. Because if he had not been a steward of what God had told him and had not been continually listening for the word of God, he would have killed his son on that altar. But hearing the voice of God allowed him to hear the provision of the ram in the thicket. (laughs) Maybe the reason God has been silent to you is you have not acted upon the word he's already given you. I want an answer from God. I want direction from God. And he's already told you what you need to do. And until you do that, he's probably got nothing else to say. I say it all the time, but it's so easily and often overlooked. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it's a sin. If God has told you you need to do something and you haven't done it yet, stop praying for God to tell you something else. Stop praying for new direction, new revelation. What else do you want me to do? God has already told you what you need to do. And when you do that, when you walk that sacrifice up and you place it on the altar and you raise your arm in obedience to God, when you do that, then you can hear. And only then can you hear that ram in the thicket. I challenge each of you today to be a steward of God's Word. We talk about being stewards of the blessings of God. God gave me a job. I need to be a steward of that, knowing that everything I have belongs to Him. And so me paying my tithes is not me giving something to God. It's me keeping 10%. It's me keeping 90%. And 
let him have 10% back, which the whole thing belongs to him. Tithing is not giving God 10, it's me keeping 90. I'm a steward. We know that we should be stewards of our time. I need to look at my schedule. I need to look at what I'm doing. Am I too busy for God? Am I too busy doing other things that my relationship with God has faltered? I need to be a steward of my time. I need to be a steward of my talent. I can't be a hero for the world and a zero for God. God, if you give me a gifting, if you've given me a talent, I want to be a steward of that and give it back to you. But what about a steward of our greatest treasure, His Word? What am I doing with His Word in my life that demonstrates stewardship? Am I taking it every day? Placing it in my life? Am I reading it and I'm, am I meditating on it? Am I obeying what God has already told me through His Word? Has God spoke to me through His Word, through preaching, through His Word, and I have not obeyed that yet until I do? Maybe God is withholding His voice until I do. Stand with me today. If you got your Bibles, I want you to grab them right now. And I want you to hold them close. God, let me love your word. Love your word above all else. Let me treasure your word above all else. Come on, I think it would be good for us to conclude this service by stepping out to the altar and making a commitment to the word of God again. God, I commit myself to your word. When it's not easy, I'm still going to read. When I'm busy, when I'm tired, when I got other things going on, I'm committing myself to your word. God, I want to love this truth, not just understand it, not just know it. I want to love it. Come on, commit yourself to the word. Mm. <laughs> you have my full attention when you speak. I dedicate myself to your word. Show me deep. Let me be a steward of your word. As I seek you through. Come on, why is it we take better care of our cars than we do the word? Why is it we take better care of our houses than we do the word? And let everything distraction. Why is it we spend so much energy and time on things that don't really matter? But we neglect the word. I want to love the truth. The things that draw me close to you. Shandara borada bo sukuru borada That Bible should be your greatest treasure. Because you are the that Bible should never be more than a few feet away. His word should always be on so your lips. I promise, Lord, I'll never walk Pray a prayer of commitment right now. Make a vow to God. When I go home, I'm going to find my Bible. I'm going to put in my schedule this week. Time to get in God's Word. 
I'm going to revamp my priorities. I'm going to change some things I've been doing. i got to get back in the Word. 